gospel on this Monday, May the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And as is our custom on Mondays, we take a look at the readings for the following Sunday, which is the seventh Sunday of Easter. And that's on May the 29th. Now, we also have the Ascension Day, and we might be doing something on that a little later in the week. But right now, we're going to be dealing with readings from the seventh Sunday. The first reading is from Acts chapter 1. The second reading is from Revelation 22. And the third reading is from John chapter 17. Now, what I do when I go through the readings, I try to find something that appears to contradict Lutheran theology. This is why the Bible is so difficult to understand. Uh, Unless you have the codes, it's really hard to understand various verses. Now, you can be saved just by reading the Bible. Even a five- or six-year-old can read the Scriptures and know enough from the Bible that's so obvious about his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and the promises connected to that. But every now and then there comes a verse that appears to contradict what we believe in Lutheran theology. And the way that that is taken care of, there's a number of ways. You can use Scripture, interpret Scripture. Uh, You can use the original languages, or you can use the proper distinctions between law and gospel. So let's take a look at Revelation 22 and the passage that appears to be a real problem. It begins with, The angel showed to me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with the 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So this is reminding us that heaven after judgment day is much alike to the Garden of Eden. And there will be other effects of being in heaven, according to verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. So, so far, we haven't run into anything that appears to contradict Lutheran theology because while we here on earth are unable to see God face to face, remember, Moses only could see the back of God on Mount Sinai. And so God the Father isn't seen, but in heaven, you can see him, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. It says, and night will be no more. Now, the term night there, of course, means uh, darkness. So just exactly how we sleep, if we sleep, this kind of thing, it's not clear here, but there's not going to be a, a darkness over which we need to be afraid because we will have no need of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So it doesn't say that there won't be any sun in the new place, but it won't be necessary because God will be our light. See, that occurred at the beginning of creation where the first words Jesus said who created all things was, let there be light. And this was before the creation of the sun, the moon, etc. So going on, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. Remember what Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we were and are studying the book of Proverbs, we learn that's God's understanding of reality. If you want to know how God thinks, then listen to what Solomon told to his son a number of times, and then beginning with chapter 8 of Proverbs, Jesus himself speaks as wisdom and describes himself and what his will is for us. So, verse 12 goes on, oh, I'm sorry, verse 6, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants must what must soon take place. So, it's verse 12, then, the text scripts to. And it's that verse, boy, it seems to contradict Lutheran theology. It says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Now, anytime you talk about doing something, we're talking about works. But if there's anything that Martin Luther discovered in reading the scriptures, is that our works cannot save us. So how can God recompense me to repay everyone for what I have done? This is why so many, even Christians, if you ask them, well, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? And they love to say, I'm going to heaven. But then you ask the big question, why is that? And many of them will agree with what every other religion in the world says, 
that I am doing a good work which pleases God, which moves him to like me, then love me, forgive me, and save me. Take a look at every other religion in the world. I mean, how many times do we have to say this? And you'll find that works are the means of salvation. You merit salvation. Whereas in Matthew 25, concerning the sheep and the goats, you inherit salvation. So how can we say that when you inherit something, you're getting recompense for what you have done? That doesn't seem to make any sense. But let me give you an analogy. There was a gentleman, this is a true story, who always would eat at a restaurant in the morning, and he was served by the same waitress. They became very good friends, and this went for some time. He died, and he left her in his testament some money. I forget the amount that it was, but he was thanking her for what she had done. Now, that's a perfect example that she was not serving him properly in order to get money from him. Well, she would get a tip each time, but she wasn't thinking about an inheritance in the will. But he made a decision that because of the wonderful works she had done for him in serving him properly as a waitress, that he would include her in his last will and testament. So you can't say she was recompensed because she merited it. No, out of his love for her, she received it as an inheritance, not as something she merited. She did the work of being a good waitress because that was her vocation. Uh, Notice that she didn't attempt to do the good work, saying to other waitresses, well, I hope he puts me in my, my in his will. No, she knew that she would be taken care of during the time she was a waitress, but unable to realize the great inheritance that she would receive. So how does this fit with the Bible saying that God is bringing your recompense with him to repay everyone for what he has done. Probably the best verse to look at is Matthew 25 and the sheep and the goats. Remember, God compliments the sheep for what? For doing good works. Well, Why can't we say, therefore, that the sheep merited heaven? No, 
Sheep don't merit being with the shepherds. They hear the voice of the shepherd and they love to obey the shepherd. They hear my voice and they will not forsake me. And even when they do, he goes out and what does he do? He finds them. The parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15. So what are these works that the sheep are doing that the goats are said not to be doing? You see, we really make a mistake in thinking one example is the sheep visit people in prison. Well, does that mean that every person who visits someone in prison, that he therefore is going to be saved because of that work? No. It's very clear from Matthew 25 that the work that the sheep are doing is something of which they are unaware of. They're doing it spontaneously. Why? Not in order to merit anything, but out of their love for Jesus Christ. Remember how we get people to become Christians. We use the means of grace. The means of grace are not your works like every other religion teaches. No, the means of grace are God's mercy, which means he does not give you what you deserve, namely temporal and eternal punishment eternally, but he gives you what you do not deserve. That's why he is gracious. And when you look at Matthew 25, the unbeliever, the goat, may be doing exactly the same outward work as does the Christian. But only the Christian work is regarded as proper. Why? Because God decides a work is proper not just by its outward deed, like visiting someone in prison, but because of the motivation behind that outward deed. For example, it's not unusual, I'll go to the hospital and I'm talking to one of the members and they may be in a room with another person and the other person has a Hindu or a Mormon or a Muslim talking to them. Now, what the Hindu, Mormon, and Muslim tells them is false teaching because they never tell them about Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation, as the only Savior. So, the Hindu, Muslim, etc., they're there visiting but their motivation is demonic. They're working for the devil in sharing that message. That's why God does not think it's an appropriate work. 
And when the Christian does the same work, we're motivated by the Holy Spirit. And that's why our works are referred to as fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, that fruit is impossible to take place in a human being until they have faith in Jesus Christ. You can't be really loving towards someone unless you know them. Uh, For example, I met my wife when I was an orderly at the hospital, but before I met her, I didn't love her. I didn't even know her. And then when I got to know her and we went out on some dates and we really enjoyed each other's company, I got to a point where I wanted to please her. So when we went out to eat, we went to places that she enjoyed, say for breakfast or lunch. If we went to a movie, we went to see movies she enjoyed. This is before we were married. Now, since we're married, now we do what I want. (laughs) No, you still do what she enjoys doing as she's with me so many times. But notice, the love for her and the good works could not take place until I came to know her and had a wonderful relationship with her. That's similar in Christianity. The works that God recognizes as truly good works, which are called fruit of the Holy Spirit, occur only after you come to faith. And you do not come to faith by making your own decision, saying, okay, tomorrow at 4 o'clock I'll invite Christ into my heart. No. If you really have that consideration, it must be because Christ is already in your heart. So you don't invite him into your heart if he's already there. You thank him that he has come into your heart because you so strongly believe the gospel message that he died on the cross for you, that he wrote for your justification, that he ascended into heaven to be the one who answers your prayers and gives them to the Father. So, in a real sense, the Christian does get repaid, but not for what they have merited, but because they have inherited God's salvation. So do Christians do good works without recognizing it? Because you are so filled with the Holy Spirit, because of your baptism or reading the word of God, the Holy Spirit creates faith in you. And that faith trusts the promises. 
That's what saves you are the promises connected to Jesus Christ. On the cross, at the empty tomb, and ascended into heaven. When you come as a Christian to do a good work, you always have two motivations because you're still a sinner. We have a Latin phrase, simul peccator et justus, which means at the very same time, we are sinners and righteous. It is the old Adam that still continues to sin. The new man has put on Christ and its motivation is by the Holy Spirit. So I've given this example a number of times. I'm going down the street walking and the lady in front of me, her grocery bag breaks and her groceries fall to the street. I stop and I help pick them up. Part of that motivation is my new man who desires to help the neighbor because of what Christ has done for me. Now, I may not even be aware of that motivation because that's how the Holy Spirit works. Remember, the sheep were unaware of all these things that they had done because it's so automatic and spontaneous. So here I'm doing a good work to a degree to the new man, but then as I'm picking up her groceries, I look up and down the street to see any any cars are going by, driven by my members, in order to show what a wonderful person I am. See, there's the old Adam coming through, being motivated sinfully. So, because we are both old Adam and new man, it's almost impossible to do a fruit of the Holy Spirit without some ulterior motive behind it. Even unbelievers have that. They may give money to the hospital. They may help those who need food, etc. And then when you ask them, why are you doing that? Well, they don't say, because I believe in Jesus Christ. They say, well, it makes me feel good to help these people. And there's a selfish reason. Jesus, he died to make us feel good. He suffered. And it was a terrible day when he was crucified. But because of the results of it, what do we refer that day as? We refer to it as Good Friday because that's the day that Jesus took upon himself all of our sins. And as he said to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And the greatest words from the cross, it is finished. What that means is the work of your salvation is finished. You don't have to add to it. It's spontaneous. When the Holy Spirit 
enters into you and gives you that faith, you are declared righteous by God because of the faith you have in the gospel promises. That's the way Christianity works. And the more you go to church, the more you attend Bible study, the more you read the Bible at home, the more you learn how important the work of Jesus Christ is, and the greater is your love towards Jesus. That's what the whole Bible is about. If you can't find Jesus in a passage, you are misreading the passage because the intent of every passage in the Scripture is Jesus the Christ. See, that's what KFUO is all about. Each program, if you listen carefully, features Jesus as the Savior of the world. There's no other station that I'm aware of that has that consistent message. And so it's a message that we would encourage you to share with others. Namely, listen to AM 850 KFUO, or if you're too far to hear the station, you can go to the computer, kfuo.com. So, there, what appears to be a contradiction to Lutheran theology is really not a contradiction when you use the proper distinctions between law and gospel. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at the hymn, Christ is the World's Redeemer. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.